you know, what I did was, is, uh, we went, I want to be talking about be a gatekeeper. What happened was, is, is I was reading in Nehemiah whenever they were building the gates of the city. And I got on that, and I was looking at that, and then I went through their meanings. But then I said, before I get into that, I need to really talk about what a gatekeeper is and the responsibilities, especially around Yahweh's house first. So then what I did was is we, I went to Academy and then Dick's Sporting Goods, different places, because Armor, uh, uh, Under Armour had made a shirt. It said, protect this house. Remember, and these were the things about whenever you come into their place, it was always make sure you protect your home field. Well, I couldn't find it, and we walked all over the place. And then Tara, she said, well, I have a sister-in-law that can make it. And uh, I said, well, thank you after you walked me to death. So anyway, uh, they like to shop till they drop, and I was dropping. But anyway, so I did buy a shirt, and then I had her to get it made. So, but I was so glad I didn't find protect this house, because Tammy mentioned it really should be protect his house. And so anyway, I had this one made. And so this is what it's going to be about today is protecting his house. And you can have that. So I'm going to have a T-shirt up here, a sanctified T-shirt, I hope. Amen. I will. Amen. Will you protect us? All you say, we will do. Amen. So anyway, so here I am looking funny up here, but that's okay. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. You know, um, Scott and Douglas was talking, you know, about Adam before the fall. You know, there's a scripture that talks about if the days were not going to be shortened, even the elect, if it possible, they could be deceived. You know, we know these scriptures. But I thought about it because, you know, before the serpent entered the garden, Adam was sinless. But yet he still had a commandment. He had at least one that we know of, other than probably many, but one was don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So when you think about it, and that was one thing y'all was discussing, and we discussed it too, if Adam in a perfect state without sin could fall, what about us who's struggling in this, this world that we're living in? You know what I'm saying? It's full of sin and temptation is rampant. When there wasn't really anything there except for the serpent that got into the midst of the garden. You know, Lisa's got great teachings that talk about it. And a lot of this is spun out of this from workbook two. About, you know, what's happening in the end time. But the thing about it is, is the whole idea, the whole message from Genesis to Revelation is we got to guard and keep. We got to stay awake. We got to stay focused. That's the main thing. Because guess what? What's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing that you can do to control it, to make it not happen or not. Whatever Yahweh's going to bring forth, he's going to bring forth. We have to roll with it. And this is, this is the thing uh, that I want us to really look at. And so let's in Genesis 3.1, let's just start where this is just something that we're going to play with today before we get into Nehemiah later, probably next week or the next week. But it says this, is now the serpent was more crafty than all the other beasts of the field that Yahweh had made. And so crafty here is he is very skillful in underhanded evil schemes. Guys, the, the enemy is still at work today because guess what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the craftiness of the demonic forces that are at work. 
And so what that means is, is they're very skillful in being underhanded. They're very skillful in evil scheming. But it, to the place to where they can perform it and make it look like as an angel of light, they can bring it. All they have to do is twist it just a little bit. What happened is, is Shabbat important? You bet it is. Shabbat is of the utmost importance. But Hasatan, in Daniel 7, 25, he says, the pompous one comes to change what? Times and seasons. And all he has to do is move the day one day. He doesn't have to move it from the seventh day to the third day or the fourth day. All he had to do is just move it one day right beside number seven and call it holy and expect you to swallow it and eat it. But yet, these are not our times. These are his times. These are his appointed times that he has called us to come and meet. He says, join me at my table. It's about him. It's not about us. So this is why it's important. He teaches us how to worship. Now, we're still learning these things. We haven't arrived yet. There's still a lot of work to be done that we're learning to do as these days are approaching. But the enemy, I'm just telling you that he's out there. All he's trying to do is, is he's just trying to water down the Torah. He's trying to water down and say, that really don't matter. That really don't. Well, it does to the Father if you put it in here. So we don't have the right. I don't have the authority to sit here and say that something matters or something don't. Amen? It's the thing. If it's in his word, it matters. Period. That's the subtleness. Holidays that they have. It's all about the kids. Oh, yeah, throw that in there and make everybody feel bad. You know what I'm saying? But then it says this. It said, he said to the woman, did Elohim actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, remember, we talked about this before. If, if the enemy comes to you, there's two things. Either you say, it is written, or you go talk to him, I belong to him. Do not talk to the enemy. Because you're no match, I'm no match for the enemy. You get in a debate with the enemy, and I will tell you, we will lose. It's just a fact, because he will, he will get us off on our way of thinking. He knows what happens. We'll get off on the, in the flesh just that quick. Either say it is written, because the enemy came to Yeshua, and he's our example in the garden, or in the wilderness when he was there, and he told him three times, it is written. So guess what? You got a problem, you take it up with him. Where we get in problem, where we get into problems is, is we start wanting to talk to the enemy. All he wants to do is just get his foot in the door. Smash them toes. Amen? Because you see what it's caused. How in the world did he get in the midst of the garden? You know the midst of the garden is the holies of holies. That's right in the middle of everything. How in the world? So if it happened there, it can happen anywhere. There's one thing that we've learned over these years that every generation has their tribulation. This is one thing that Halisa has definitely taught us. These are great things that we've learned because you know what? He's placed us in this period in this time for us to have our portion and our part and our opportunity to hold up his word. And you know what? Our forefathers had their opportunities. We have our opportunities. We can't sit here and say what they've done or didn't do. It's on us today. We live in the present. We don't live in the past. We don't live in the future. But we learn from the past because it affects our future. Amen? So he gives us opportunities today 
to be able to guard his house. He gave them that opportunity. We've seen where they failed, and we've seen where they had good times. And guess what? We know what's going to happen at the end. But guess what? We're not there, and we're not back there. We're right here, and we have our opportunity today to do what we need to do for his kingdom because that's what he's going to ask me, and that's just what he's going to ask you. What did you do with the opportunity I gave you where you live? You can't say that, well, in the 1300s. He said, you weren't born in the 1300s. That doesn't affect you. Amen. You learn. But this is what he's saying. So don't allow the enemy to cause us to live in the past or the future. We need to take care of the present. It's important we learn from it because it points us somewhere. But this is the problem. When you end up actually allowing Satan to talk to you or the, or the serpent, he says, did Yahweh actually say? So he's just throwing just a little bit of doubt in your mind. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but Elohim said that we shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to her, you will not surely die. That's the, to me, that's the first lie. And it's still a lie today that you're not going to die. Guys, the wages of sin is death. All we've got to do is, is when you get older, look in the mirror. And you'll say, who is that dude? We're getting older because the thing of it, the wage of sin is death. And we are slowly in our flesh dying. So he lied in the very beginning. But you shall not surely die for Elohim knows. Now here's the thing that we teach here. There's three root causes to all sin. Adultery is a, is a symptom. That's just a result. Murder is a result. All of these things are covetousness. All that you do is a result. Here's the root problems. A lot of times we fight root problems. I mean, we fight symptoms, and we can't get victory in our lives because we're not getting to the root of the problem. And here's the root of the problem. There's three of them. So the woman saw, see, she saw with her eyes. An eye is part of a gate to our soul. That the tree was what? It was good for what? Food. That's the lust of the flesh. She saw that it was good for food. Because I'm telling you, as, as we get on with the teaching, you're going to get hungrier and hungrier. Okay? Until we get over there to Oneg. Stomachs are going to growl and all, and the babies are going to whine a little bit. But what I'm saying is, is this is why, why do you think that the Father says, when you've eaten and you're satisfied, you do what? We bless Him. Why? Because usually when we've eaten and we're satisfied, that's when we forget him. We definitely don't forget him when we're hungry. Because now we're crying and moaning, I need something to eat, you know, where's the next stop, you know, and all of these things. So you can see that our belly in the flesh dictates. So the lust of the flesh is a root problem. Because she saw that it was good for food. Where am I at? Six. Okay, there I am. And then she said, "In that it was a what to the eyes? It was a delight. A bless. That's right. It's a delight to the eyes. So now we have the lust of the eyes, things that we see. When I go into a sporting goods store and I see a brand new rifle in there, the lust of the eyes gets. Amen. And then Satan's over there. I mean, Tammy's over there saying, "Satan, get behind me." Amen. That's right. That's, that's the Exer Connect, though. The Holy Spirit is there to oppose. So she's standing between me and the counter because, of the, because it's delightful. There's certain, man, they deck these rifles out now to where they look good. 
they all shoot the same, but boy, some of them look better than others. And the better they look, the more pricier they are. Amen? So when I go to Sporting Goods, I have a shock collar that she takes off of the dog she puts on me. and when it, You know? So we see here that there's a lust of the eyes because that is a huge problem in our lives. The lust of the eyes, that's a root cause. And then it can go for whatever the addictions have. It's just not one. Everybody doesn't have the same addiction. They don't have the same battle, the same problem. They don't. But the root is, is lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes. We have to overcome that. This is what we got to see and recognize for what it is. And then it said this, that the tree was what? To be desired to make one what? Wise. Ain't that amazing? So now we have the pride of life. We have wisdom. Makes one wise. It says, and so she took the fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband. And the ESV says what? Who was with her? Right there. And he ate it. Like he was off over there at Walmart somewhere. No, he was right there. So the problem was not Eve. The problem was Adam. He was there. He was given the command to guard and keep. He did not only not guard and keep, he let the enemy in. And I'm telling you, if you let the enemy in the center of the house, he is going to take over the house. He shouldn't have ever even got in the outer garden, if anything else. But what happens is, for us, for us to now know this and to recognize that he gives us, do you think that Adam had the Holy Spirit? I think he sort of did. It said the Holy Spirit was there before he was even created. He still had that same spirit. That's what the Holy, the Holy Spirit, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Holy Spirit has its job. It is to teach us about the Torah and to obey the Torah. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for, is a helper. He helps us. But if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and if we're in sin, the Holy Spirit then is what? One who opposes. It's one to stop us because we need to, hey, what's wrong? is to turn around, make sure that we know that we're in sin, we need to repent, and then go back. So the Holy Spirit has its role, still had its role there. Adam could have cried out. Adam should have took dominion, and Adam didn't. But you know what? Yeshua died and gave us his dominion back. But we don't take it most of the time. We sit here and we pass it on to pastors or, or teachers or whatever. We don't take it. Why? Because the lust of the flesh. Because we don't want to. Because we still want to. We think that accepting Yeshua as our Savior, we think that's fire insurance. Most people just don't want to go to hell. You know what I'm saying? They think, and so what they've done is, is I want to accept Yeshua as my Savior, but I want to continue to do what I've always done. It doesn't work that way. So we see here that he didn't guard and keep, and the reason why I'm bringing this out is, is he's called us to be gatekeepers. Are we not a kingdom of priests today? Is that not what Peter said that we are? We are a royal priesthood. We're a kingdom of priests, so we're to be gatekeepers today if we've accepted him and, and as our Savior, and he's given us his Torah, and he's given us his Ruach for us to achieve the things that he's asked us to achieve. Okay? Verse, okay, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were open. Okay, they were open, and they became very wise. And they knew all things, and they became like Elohim. No, that ain't what it said. 
It didn't say that. It said this, and both eyes were opened, not to wisdom, but to death. Their eyes wasn't open to life, but it was open to death. Because this is where it starts now. Because the wages of sin, transgression of this Torah, is death. So, guess what? Satan is not there to help you. He is there to destroy you. Amen. And he will bring it in packages. He will make it look pretty. In Tammy's case, he will make it bling blingy. He will put all the bling bling on it. And me, he'll put it in camouflage. And it's just the way he'll do it. He'll do it because he knows what we like. And whatever we like, that's what he's going to dress it up like. He dresses it up like that so we will not look. What did it say? Don't look to which? To the left or to the right. But look where? Straight ahead. Because you know what? Satan ain't in front of you. Yeshua is. But where is Satan? Where's Hasatan? Where's his enemy? They're on the left and right. They're the distractions because we're going down this ancient path. This ancient path is blazed by him and the Holy Spirit. But these distractions, so it's dressed up to draw our attention. All he wants to do is just get us to look a little bit. And then he'll, he'll do what he needs to do to keep us focused. Because their eyes were not open to wisdom or to life. Their eyes was opened up to death. But said that they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they put themselves or made themselves loincloths. Okay, now let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. So this is what happened to Adam and Eve. Another little story about Cain and Abel. You know, what happens to us, I think, I know what happens to me, maybe you're different. Do you know that whenever we get older, we're not the same size that we were when we were in high school? You ever notice that? I don't know what happened to inflation. <laughs> but inflation is not just monetary, okay? It happens in the flesh also. And it's not air, if you ever notice. It's this phenomena called fat. I don't understand it. The molecular change of the body. You know, so my thing is this. I know that when I get to a place, and I'm, I'm talking about me. I know that when I'm at a weight, and I know that I'm at this weight, and I'm, I'm okay with this weight, but I know I need to be 10 pounds lighter. But do I do any, I say, I, I always say this, I need to do something about it. I need to do something about it. I need to stop the apple fritters. I knew it was coming. Stop the apple fritters. Don't drink your calories in sugary drinks. Go ahead, Tiffany. I can hear you back there. Get rid of the Cokes and all of the things because that's wasted calories. And you don't really realize the next thing you know when you add all of these things up. Then all of a sudden, it's only a few weeks down the road. And you're 10 pounds over the 10 pounds you were at when you wanted to really start losing weight. And now you get really depressed that you allow. And you get frustrated. We get frustrated. So I have to have a bowl of ice cream. I got to do something to deal with the frustration. I can't buy a rifle. I got my Holy Spirit in front of the counter. 
But I can get some ice cream. She's in there on the computer. I can go to the freezer. Because the ice cream's there for the kids. Because the ice cream ain't there for me. Amen? Ice cream's there for the kids. Ain't for mine. What happened to the ice cream? I don't know. I guess Hasatan eat it. I don't know. You got that devil sugary stuff in here. But are we not like that? That we wait. We're, and you know, if you're like that in the flesh, we are like that in the spirit. We're, we're the same way. I'll do it. You know, this is not that bad. Da, da, da. Next thing you know, you wake up one day, you're 40 pounds spiritually overweight, and you wonder, how in the world did I get here? Oh, man. And then you go in, you say, well, you know what? I'm going to get serious with the Father. You do a three-minute prayer with your tallit over you. Because you can't think of anything else to say. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And there's only so many ways you can say, I repent and I'm sorry and all of the above, okay? So then what do we do? So we start looking in the Torah for a diet pill. Because we don't want to put in the work or the effort that it takes to lose the weight that we put on. And so guess what? We, don't, we want to be able to be our weight in high school with no effort. But it just don't work that way because it's become a lifestyle. And the Father is trying to tell us, you can't guard His kingdom when your spirit man is following your flesh man. And if you can't keep your flesh under subjection, how in the world are you going to keep your spirit under subjection? Because I'm telling you, we're no match for Hasatan if you try to go toe-to-toe with Him. And the people that He chose to be gatekeepers that chose to that he chose to guard his house, they had to be faithful and trustworthy in all things. They just couldn't just go through life, come see, come saw. It's not the way it works. So I'm just bringing, and this is, I used to wear large, just extra large, and that thing's probably tight. So just, I know, I, yeah, I know. And I always tell you, I like a few layers of fat over my six pack. I don't really mind that, but I got one too many. Amen. That's right. Washboard ab become wash tub abs. I got it. Amen to that. Y'all just help me out a little bit. So here in verse in chapter four, verse one, it says this. Now Adam knew Eve. That's a good thing, because he was supposed to be fruitful and multiply, not in a bad state. But now he he he's out of the garden now. But it says she conceived and she she bore Cain, saying, "I have." Gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. Well, that's a good thing. And it says, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper. I like this. It says keeper of sheep. In other words, he was a pastor, shepherd, or like he was a gatekeeper. He was a keeper of sheep. And Cain was a worker of the, of the ground. Now, I want to say this. I always say this. There's nothing wrong with Cain's occupation. He was the worker of the ground. He was to grow food, and we need food. Amen. The problem here was he didn't bring first fruits. He didn't bring the best. Abel brought the best. He brought the first of a flock. Cain just, it seems to be, this is my opinion, the way I understand it, he just brought from the garden. But the father wants the first and the best. That's what he needs. So you see here that he was a worker of the ground, and there's not a problem with being a worker of the ground. But Cain and his offerings had no regard. So that means that he didn't have any regard to what he was doing 
towards our Heavenly Father. So Cain became angry. And mine says very angry. And his face fell. So in other words, Cain had a bad attitude. And it wasn't Yahweh's fault. But it was his fault. Now, do we not do that sometimes? Do we not do what we're supposed to do according to Torah? And then when we don't bring what we're supposed to bring, then we, and Yahweh doesn't bless it, then we get mad at him. Like it's his fault. When he plainly tells us, don't do this, don't go there, don't watch this, don't read this, and all of the above, and, and then blessings don't come, then we get mad. That's right, we pack our own bag, and we take it to eat lunch out of. And there's nothing in there righteous and healthy for us. And then we catch an attitude. And it says, Yahweh said to Cain, he says, why are you so, why are you so angry? In other words, what's the deal with this attitude? That's what he's really saying in our day and time. Yahweh's saying, Cain, what's the deal with your attitude? What's going on here? What's happening here? Why, why you got this attitude problem? Why are you so angry? And why is your face falling? And he didn't give him a time to answer because he knew what was up. But he told him something. And he told him this. And this is the same thing that he tells us every day. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you do well, if you make right choices, if you do what I ask you to do, will you not receive the blessings? And we always talk about that little word if. Dodia made me a shirt with a big if on it. Because if is just a two-letter word, but that is the biggest word in the whole scripture because it's conditional. If you do these things, there's blessings that can come, but if you don't, Cursings come. And he told him here, and he says, and if you do not do well, your choice, my choice, he's laying it right out here. He told Adam, don't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. He gave him a choice. He gives us a choice. He told him what not to do, and he was in a sinless state. And he told him what to do. But here we're in a state where sin is, but Yahweh is still showing him and telling him, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Guys, this is why it's important. Prayer is the work. This is why we have to have a, a house of prayer. We need prayer in our life. I know I need to do better in my prayer life. Because here's the deal. Sin is crouching at the door. It's not just crouching six days a week. It's crouching on the seventh day. If we don't stay focused in what we're supposed to be focused on and what he's called us to do. Because sin is crouching at the door and he says, and its desire is contrary to you. But you must do what? You must master it, rule over it, conquer it. So guys, right here in just this, in the book of Genesis. You know, Brad Scott, our beloved guy, our little brother, you know, that's one he said. Everything is right there. You can take off from Exodus on down, but everything's right there in the seabed. Everything's there in Genesis. It's not that hard. But we make it hard. Why? Because we look at the Scriptures as an IRS manual. 
because we're trying to find loopholes. Because sometimes we just don't like what the Torah says. I've said this many times. I like crawfish. But I can't eat it because why? Yahweh said, it's not food for you. So you know what? I said, who am I going to offend? I don't want to offend him. So you know what? I had to make the choice because crawfish was crouching at the door when I walked by the pot. Okay? And it's saying, and my desire is for you. I'm just saying. But the thing about it is, is he's given us his word. We are to look at it. We are to know that he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his son to conquer these things. Amen. Okay, let's go to 1 Chronicles. I don't know how far I'll get today, but. What we're going to do here in Chronicles. We have the children of Israel. They, they have returned from the exiles. Okay, we'll look at verse 1. It says, so all of Israel was recorded in genealogies, and these are written in the books of the kings of Israel. And Judah was taken into exile in Babylon because of what? Unfaithfulness, a breach of faith, transgression of the Torah. Here again, sin was crouching at the door. They did not do what they were supposed to do. Yahweh said, enough's enough. You're going into captivity. He told ten tribe Israel of the same thing. And they went into captivity to Assyria for hundreds of years. But here we see... In a 70-year period, they went into captivity. Did everyone return back to the land? But he called them back. There's a calling. He's calling time is right. That We better hear what he's going to be a calling. We need to make sure that we know that when that time is right, that we better hear what he is saying. And we need to be in tune because, see, there was a calling back in the 1930s, in the 1920s, in the 1900s, about the Jews to go back to their land, and they didn't do it. And there was a man named Hitler rose up. Because what happens is, is here again, this is why I was so glad of that testimony about you being able to teach here, because so many people will move for a job. Or they won't leave because they get a good job, but they don't have a congregation. They're trying to do their best to get whatever they can from an internet. But you know what? That is great if that's where you're at. That's all you have. But if you need, if you need to be, because sooner or later, guys, they're going to shut that thing down. They're going to shut that down, and, and that voice is not going to be able to get out there. And then you're going to be cut off. Can I say this? Pruning. Pruning. Yahweh does the pruning. I don't do the pruning. This is an important aspect about pruning. When you prune, do you cut the dead off? Or do you cut off about two inches of the live before the dead? You better not be two inches 
towards the dead. He's trying to say, get back to the trunk of the tree where the life is. But what do we do? We like to hang around where the dead is. And when he comes in his time, when he starts the pruning and he starts, if we're hanging there, we liable to get cut. And the next thing you know, hey, I'm alive. What did he say about the church of Sardis? Elisa, I keep saying it. She's here today in the thing about the book, but she brought it out here. It was excellent when she put it in there because guess what? Sardis, you had the appearance of being alive. You had the appearance of being alive, but you are dead. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of things, a lot of jumping, a lot of things that looked prosperous and looked like is, but it isn't what we see is what he sees. He's the one that we answer to. There's a lot of things that look good. Isn't it, isn't it funny how he called the tree of knowledge of what? Good and evil? Because guess what? Everything good is not God. There's a lot of good things happening out there, but they're not Yahweh things. That's the difference. It's easy. See, we can run around. I've said this many times here before. We can run around and we can see what's evil. Oh, I'm not to touch that. That's evil. That's Cruella. You know, we can see that. Watch out there now. So you can see what happens there with the, with the evil. But what happens is, is when the good things, when the good things are not Yahweh things, that don't seem to bother us. It don't seem to convict us because we're desensitized. Guys, we're not designed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's why he told us not to eat it. Because you know what? We can't handle temptation. Yahweh can't be tempted. He created it. He can deal with it. It doesn't bother him. But guess what? We're not Yahweh. We were created in his image. And we're to do the things that he has commanded us to do. Because guess what? He lowered Yeshua a little lower than the angels. And Yeshua was tempted. But yet he did not sin. And this is the beautiful thing of this. We just come out of the Passover season. Counting the Omer. Shavuot. And now we're on our journey to Sukkot. Guys. The father in this journey, to be a gatekeeper, you had to be trustworthy. They, had, they knew your fruits. People sit there and say, don't judge me. Look, when it says judge not lest you be judged, that's talking about criticize not lest you be criticized. You have to judge people's fruits. You have to know them because he goes through a lot of parables. He says, because a good tree will not produce what? Bad fruit. But guess what? A bad tree will not produce what? Good fruit. So you know people by their fruit. I love what Brad said. The whole thing is, I remember, the deal is, is when you witness, you give people fruit because the seed is in the fruit. The seed of Yeshua and the Torah and everything, the Holy Spirit is within the fruit. And that's what we're to do is to do good works. We're to serve one another. We're to be good stewards over his kingdom. And by that, we have good seeds in us. And then when they partake of the fruit, they get the seed of Yeshua. This is what's so powerful about that. I got there, I don't know. Well, I just was talking about the children of Israel. Look, guys, we know the end of the book. There's going to be a remnant that's going to, that's going to make it into this thing. Can we be within that? Can we say protect his house? And Can we say I will? Can we be a part of the I will people that can stand up and not bow down and say he's going to kill us? You go, Moses. And then whatever he says we will do. Because how did that work for them? They didn't listen to him either, did they? But we are a people that says, I will. 
I thought this was interesting. Verse 2, now the first to dwell again in their possessions in the cities were Israel the priest, the Levites, and the temple servants. Now, I thought this was unique, this thing of temple service. Now, I may not say this right. Some of you Hebrew people can help me. Nethunim, Nethunim. But these were the temple servants. Who were these temple slaves? Now, I know you're looking at me funny, so I can spell it. You can tell me. N-E-T-H-I-N-I-M-S. Nethunims. Okay, well, these were the temple servants here. So when you look at the temple servants, does yours have temple servants? What does yours have? I'm looking at your neighbor, Kathy. Oh, I thought you had. Okay, well, temple servants, these are who the temple servants were. So Israel, the priests were given, but with, with Joshua, they were given, and I believe that these people may be the Gibeonites. They were people, remember, these were the woodcutters and the water bearers because they were the ones who came and they tricked Joshua. They put on the raggedy clothes and they had the stale bread, and they said, man, we've been well on, oh, him, we come on, oh, him. And they'd done all that stuff, and then they said, we're here. And we tire, we wore out, we're from a foreign land because the commandment was do not make a covenant with anybody in the land of Canaan, right? Well, here we go, same situation. Instead of him, he, he should have known from Ai that he should go and pray. That if he would go and pray, maybe Yahweh would say, no, these are the Gibeonites, these are your neighbors. But he didn't do it. And so what? They sit there, they had a covenant meal, and, they, and you know what? They had to honor it. So the Nethunim, these temple servants, was believed to be the Gibeonites that was given to them. And I thought this was unique, though. Now, these people are coming back from Babylon. These people are coming back. My thing is, is they not only, if they came back from Babylon, these temple servants who were not Israel, they followed them into Babylon. You're talking about loyal to the Levites. You're talking about a loyal group of people to be temple servants, to sit here and not have a dog in the fight, if you look at it, but to turn around and follow them in and then turn around and follow them right back out. That's some devoted, pe that's some devoted people. Just threw that in there. All right, verse 3. And some of the people of Judah, Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh, lived in Jerusalem. Now, the reason why I put this one in here is I thought that of all the people that he's going to name, he names Judah and Joseph's brother and his sons. He didn't name any of the other brothers. So there has to be a meaning there. And that's why Halisa's here today. So anyway, so she can answer that one. But I just thought it was funny. But some of the people from Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh lived in Jerusalem. It's like, why did you pick out Judah and Joseph, who's his brother and his son? There's a meaning there that's a lot deeper. You know it? Oh, it is? Yeah, it's interesting. I just thought, I just threw that in there for just for extra peppermint. Okay, verse 22. Let's jump down to 22. I know I'm not going to get to finish all this today, but that's great. Okay, so that was the little private thing there. Okay, all these, verse 22, all these who were chosen as gatekeepers at the threshold were 212. And they were enrolled by genealogy in their vi uh, villages. David and Samuel, the seer, established them 
in their office of what? In their office of trust. And in other words, they were, these were faithful and trustworthy people. And it says, and so they were the sons who were in charge of the gates of the house of Yahweh. That is, the house of his tent as what? Guards. So they were placed there to guard his house. Are we not, according to the Gospels, according to Paul and Peter and them, are we not the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the thing about it is, is we, I'm just going to say it again, it's like dieting. You know, there's no pill that's going to make you lose weight. It's just not going to do it. I haven't found it. If you do, let me know. Okay? Probably be wrapped in pork or something. But anyway, but the thing is, is... <laughs> do what? No, celery is of the devil. I'll just tell you all that. I don't even mention celery. That stuff, I can smell it from Walmart now. That stuff's leaking out the store. But what I'm seeing, go ahead. Oh, it takes discipline. It does. It does take discipline. I know that. See, that's like I say, so it does take discipline. She knows that. Look, they give me pills to take sometimes, and I may take one or two, and I feel better. When you feel better, what do you, most guys, when you feel better, what do you do? You stop. It's what we do. You know, there's a few people. And I'm one of them. Sometimes I get hung up between Jesus and John Wayne. But there are some people that get hung up between Jesus and Mother Teresa. Now, I wish I was more to the Mother Teresa side of things, but I'm not. But I'm working on it. Amen? I'm just being honest. Because you're right, it takes discipline. Because what I'm trying to say here is this, guys. If we can't discipline ourselves in the natural, you won't discipline yourself in the spiritual. It just works that way. I mean, we, we're here, we go through every cycle, we do these things, but yet we talk about it, and we can leave here and say, you know what, man, that dude preached a great message. That dude is anointed, and I think I seen a halo around his head when he was up there in the spirit. We can go through all of that and walk out that door. What are you laughing about? We could walk out that door, and if we don't change, we ain't done anything. We just come in here and done a flowery message. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, uh, just maybe like a float, throw some candy and do your thing. You don't need candy. Throw that thing on back. It's a mint. So she'll eat a mint. But you see what I'm saying? It's just we can have all the floats and the parades and all that kind of stuff going on. Guys, we got to change. Because, you know, um, somebody told me, and I won't name her name, but her initials was Halisa Elwine. But, I mean, she told me something one time. I'm just using it just because I thought this was profound. I'm just saying, we, we talk, you know, and Big Daddy, and Big Daddy just says, boy, look here, you in trouble. But, like she said, I know, I'm telling you, I'm squirming now. You don't see me shaking, but, man, I'm rattling. But, but I'll tell you what, but, like, she, you remember, I don't know, you probably don't even remember saying this. Because she talks to so many people. She said, you know what? I can give you five acres of land, but I ain't going to till it and plant it for you. She said, I can help you, but I'm not going to do the work for you. I'm not going to plant it. I can do the research. We can put out the books, and I can study. But you know what? It's on you, big dog. It's on you to have to plant and till and water and tend and get the weeds out. Because I can't sit here because I can give you the... And she works hard, and she does this, and she has... But the thing about it is, is 
That's, that book is not a diet pill, guys. You can't just read it and just sit there and say, man, I could just see the fat falling off of me. It don't work that way. You got to put it into action. That stuff's in there to put into action. And then when we put it into action, because I will tell you this, I've been in sports all my life. And I will tell you, and I still work out now, and I'll tell you that when I lay off for two weeks, I got to get back at it, and I am sore the next day. Let me, I lied to you. I'm sore an hour after I start now because rigor mortis sets in sooner than it used to. Me and Scott go play tennis. I got rigor mortis before I get to Waffle House. I'm just saying, it's just the way it is. When I was young, rigor mortis, I didn't even know what that was. But I'm telling you, I can't even get the tea to my mouth. I'm like, man, I need a straw that long. Just to lean over and just suck on that tea. You know what I mean? Ain't that right, Scott? Rigor mortis sets in sooner than it used to. But guys, <laughs> I'm just saying. See, you know some of the older ones. We can testify. Some of you younger ones, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Rigor mortis. What's rigor mortis? They ain't there yet. <laughs> I see some of them guys out there playing basketball. They know what I'm talking about. They get a little sore. I'm going to end with this. The thing about it is, is people have been anointed to be able to give you what that's their lane. The Father has anointed them. But I'm just telling you, it's not a diet pill. We have to work at this. We have to read. We have to study. It's really great to have his Torah. And it's really great when other people spend their lives digging in there. We can read their commentaries to help us understand exactly what this was saying. Because guys, I just hate to tell you, Jerusalem is not Loosedale, Mississippi. The temple was never, I know, that's hard to believe. But anyway, the temple was not set up here. We were not raised Jewish. We were not raised in Hebrew. We were not raised this way. So we have our work cut out for us. And the Father says, I have, not only have I laid this out, I've given you teachers. They're sitting there that's been called to do the work. You can get in there and get this. And then what you can do, but you got to apply it. If you just read it and lay it down and you don't study it, mark it up and walk it out, it hadn't done us any good. Because guys, Yeshua is returning. And I will tell you also in the parable, I've not gone there yet, I'll go there next week, but I'm just going to tell you this. When Yeshua, see we said this, to be a gatekeeper, don't erase this Tiffany because I'm going to do this next week. Guard it. Don't let kids do this. Because if they do, they sort of knock out stuff, okay? I know, take a picture. Okay, look, to, be a, to protect Yahweh's house, to keep Yahweh's people on the right path, that's not easy. Because, man, we like to stray. Our path is like a snake's trail. And the other one is keep watch for Yahweh's return. I'm going to give you two examples real quick. We're going to read them next week, though. What about... When Yeshua was in the garden, he took three disciples with him. And they were having a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled prayer meeting. Three of them was what? Sleeping. They had a slumber party. Oh, yeah. They had a slumber party. Why? Because they, were, they just ate a meal. Why not? Yeah, they went to the, you know, that upper room. They was eating, and he, they had fit, clean feet. You know, he washed their feet and all of that. He gave them some good wine and some good bread and broke bread. And 
prayed over them, and they said, would you just pray with me? They said, oh, yeah, we'll pray with you. We'll go to the grave with you. That lasted. Come back after slaving, because they did not know how to discern the signs of the times. They didn't discern it, or they would have stayed up with him, and they would have battled with him. But he's telling us to stay awake, and we need to battle, not go to sleep. But he come back twice, and they were asleep. But then you go to the, the ten virgins. How many of these virgins slept? All of them. Even the five wise ones were asleep. They all slumbered and slept. And the father is saying what? To be a gatekeeper, you had to keep watch for the king's return. You had to keep watch to make sure all was well. That was your responsibility. No, no matter what time of day it was, no matter what time of night it was, no matter what water, water, water it was, okay? You had a job to do, and you needed to do it. And this is why this is so important for us. Before I even got into Nehemiah and got into these different gates and all these gates, they mean something. Let me just give you an example. The dung gate. Anybody got a hint what that means? Yeah, that's where Waste Pro and BFI and all them go out. <laughs> they go out to the... That's where all the waste go out. There's a meaning for all of these things. It's not there. They don't have names just to have names. But these are very important. But he's asking us, though, to be a gatekeeper. We are a priesthood today. And he's asking us to do our part. He's not asking us to do everything. He's not asking us to guard all the gates. But first, you've got to guard the gate of your family. And then you can guard the gate of this place here and all the communities that are around. Don't just be praying for River of Life. Jacob's tent, all the others, HRN, and all these other, all these communities, be praying and lifting these people up. Even those who are still coming out of Babylon, there's still people coming out of Babylon. You know, you're, because you, you got, you got four. Anyway, that's another teaching. Anyway, we'll pick up here next week. But as we meditate on this, maybe just go through the scriptures and look at the word keeper, doorkeeper, gatekeeper. And see how many scriptures you run into. You'd be amazed. Amen. Let's pray. The glory of the Lord,